And here we go. Another edition of Jamal About Sports. Christmas edition, as referenced on our last show. Probably the best all-time rock and roll Christmas song, Christmas Rapping by the Waitresses. I'm your host, as always, Jamal Hayden. Flying solo today on a Tuesday night. My man AG could not make it. We've got a lot to get to. Lots and lots of football. Pretty much all football for the show. NFL, a little bit of college. And we start with the Detroit Lions. We'll get them out of the way. Um, Listen, first and foremost, uh, congratulations to the Giants and uh, my Giant fan friends out there on the win on Sunday. Um, As I've been saying for weeks... Uh, as far as the Lions and their playoff hopes go, it's going to come down to the last game of the week against Green Bay. I mean, we just—it's uh, just—it's just—it's kind of—that's just kind of how it has to be, I think. You know, sixty years of misery for an organization. Forty for me as a fan. Fifty for my dad as a fan. You know, I, these are these last these next two games are the are things really different games. I mean, I think it's it, it couldn't be more fitting to play the Cowboys coming up on the Monday night game, the Monday after Christmas, given what happened to the Lions in Dallas in the playoffs two years ago with the ridiculous picking up of the pass interference uh, penalty. And then, you know, 17 holding penalties not called against uh, the Cowboys. All right, perhaps I'm <laughs> exaggerating a bit, but uh, several extremely uh, crucial holding penalties that weren't called on the Cowboys, uh, what ended up being the, the game-winning drive of that game, which the NFL admitted to after the game, uh, not to rehash the past, but given what happened to the Lions in the playoffs two years ago against the Dallas Cowboys, and then given what uh, happened to the Lions last year on Thursday night, the week after Thanksgiving, after they had just blown out the Eagles and were making uh, a push, albeit an unlikely push, to put themselves back in the in the hunt for the playoffs and lost on an untimed down, the Hail Mary. Uh, I'm sure if you're a football fan, you've seen it because God knows the uh, NFL Network loves to show it all the time uh, as part of their promo package for their crappy Thursday night games. Uh, you know, anything can happen on a Thursday. This happened. Um, and, you know, it was an untimed down because the play before on a lateral play the ball got lateral back to Aaron Rodgers. Devin Taylor, defensive end for the Lions, finger f- grazes the face mask. The refs have the audacity to call a face mask there because Aaron Rodgers does his Aaron Rodgers routine where he snaps his head back like somebody clotheslined him or he got shot. And the refs, of course, fall for it. Gives the Packers an untimed down. Now look, Lions are culpable in this too. Coaching staff... Completely blew it. Got tricked into thinking the Packers were going to try another series of laterals again, although I don't know why they would. I guess if you've never seen Aaron Rodgers, you don't know that you can throw the ball 50 yards in the air. And so they didn't have the right defense on the field. They didn't have Calvin Johnson out there. It was always part of their Hail Mary uh, package. And uh, when it comes to defending the Hail Mary, obviously when he's on offense as well. Um, And uh, the Packers scored a touchdown. And that was pretty much the end of that for the Lions. They went out and lost to a crappy Rams team the next week. And then, yes, they finished the, the season strong by winning, I think, their last three games uh, against 
I think a, a mediocre Raiders team at home, a mediocre Niners team at home, and uh, on the road against Chicago, who also was bad. So, you know, that pretty much put it a crimp, in, uh, that pretty much put an end to any hopes the Lions may have had in going uh, seven and one in the second half, um, or actually eight no, because I, it's my contention that the Lions beaten uh, the Cal- uh, the Packers in that game. They don't lose the next week to to the Rams. Um, and probably would have run the table and gone eight zero in the back half, uh, which would have made them nine and seven. Which you know I don't remember now, frankly, had uh, if that would have made the playoffs or not. But in any event, so this is it. I mean, these two games will tell you are, are things different? Are they the same? Of course, the doom and gloom is set in. Here come the Packers, super hot, winners of their last uh, four games. Right, they were four and six. Now they're eight and six. They have the Vikings at home this week, who completely no-showed at home themselves against the, the Colts uh, this past Sunday. And the Packers, of course, escape in uh, you know Packers-ish fashion uh, with a 60-yard bomb somehow to set up the game-winning field goal on a third and 11 after the Braves, uh, the Braves, the Bears valiantly fought back uh, to to tie the game after they were down. Uh, 27-13 in the fourth quarter, a tie to 27. Of course, the Bears had a chance to punch, punch it in, get a score a touchdown, um, and instead settled for a field goal, which when I was watching that game, I knew that was going to be, uh, the, you know, that, that was pretty much the, ch- the only chance the Bears had to win that game. Even if they went o- into overtime, you had to feel like the Packers would find a way. Um, we'll get to that game in a little while. But this is it. I mean, are things actually going to be different, or are they just going to be the same? And is this gonna are the Lions going to go from nine and four to nine and seven, losing their last three games, uh, and not making the playoffs? Now listen, you can argue that that's what the who this is who the Lions are. They're a nine and seven team. You know, they've they've beaten a bunch of, you know, some some pretty bad teams like the Bears and uh, the and the Jaguars, who aren't very good. And the Lions didn't look great doing it in either of those two games. Um, they've beaten the Redskins who were eh. I mean, bad loss by the Redskins last night. Still, you know, fighting for their playoffs at home against Carolina and laid an egg. I mean, it didn't even look good at all. And I know, I know Carolina's dangerous. They still have Cam Newton. Um, team's still playing hard. Still have good players on defense. But, uh, you would have thought, again, conventional wisdom, Monday night, home game, get a win, you get to 8-5-1 uh, and one. if you're the Redskins and put yourselves uh, in, they, they would have been the, the sixth seed with two games to go with uh, their last two games are at Chicago and the Giants at home, not easy games by any stretch although that Giants game may not mean anything depending on what the Giants do here um, and we've seen Chicago has been feisty they're certainly not a pushover but so bad loss there. But so the, you know the lines look. They beat the Redskins. The Redskins were hot at the time. They beat the Rams. We all know the Rams aren't any good. The lines you know had to struggle to do that. They beat the Eagles, which early in the year the Eagles I think were three and zero. Eagles have you know the record isn't very good. They're not a terrible team. They have talented players. Um, you know rookie quarterback. Some of the growing pains you expect to see from 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 a team with a rookie quarterback. Uh, they lost a, several close games this year. Last week included 
lost by one to the Ravens. They went for two uh, late in the game to try to win the game with nothing really riding on the line for them. They've already been eliminated from the playoffs. But, you know, look, you look at the, the Lions, the teams that they've beaten, it's not a bunch of world beaters. But that's what the NFL is. There aren't a bunch of world beaters in the NFL. You look around this, this year, you've got, you know, Dallas, the best record in, in, in the NFC currently, uh, with 11 wins. Seattle, who is 9-4-1. The Giants have 10 wins. Listen, Giants are a good team. Are they great? No, I don't think the Giants are great. You know, the Giants have won two Super Bowls without having what you would call a great team. It's just, you know, do you, are, do you get in? Can you get into the playoffs? And then when you're in, can you get hot? I mean, that's, that's really what it is. I mean, if you look in the NFC, we'll start with the NFC. I mean, you've got, all right, sorry, Dallas 12 and 2, Giants are 10 and 4. All right, and then you've got the Lions still leading the division in the North. Doesn't feel like it, does it? At 9-5. and five. Atlanta's 9-5. and five. And Seattle's 9-4-1. and one. The rest of the NFC West, Cardinals are 5-8-1. We'll get to them in a little bit. I mean, that, they, they've lost at least three games because they or lost two and, and tied one because of their kicking game. And special teams in general have been awful this year. Uh, but the Rams are horrible at 4-10. and 10. San Francisco stinks at 1-13. You know, the Panthers and the Saints are both 6-8. and eight. They're dangerous. Right? They both have good quarterbacks. Anytime you play a team with a good quarterback, they're dangerous. Tampa Bay's 8-6. We'll talk about them against the Cowboys in a few minutes. And you get the Bears are 3-11. But playing hard, Packers will tell you that themselves. Vikings 7-7, but on a terrible downward trend. I mean, they started out 5-0. They're 2-7 in their, in their last nine games. You know, Packers have come back from the dead at 4-6. And then in the East, again, the Eagles are 5-9. and nine. So, I mean, look, this you, in the NFC, you'd say there's probably three, if you want to call them elite teams, the Cowboys, the Giants, and the Seahawks. You could throw the Packers into that mix again because of Aaron Rodgers. But all these teams are flawed. I mean, the Cowboys' defense isn't great by any stretch of the imagination. The Giants' defense is really good. You think their offense is good, but it's really not that good. I mean, they scored 17 points. On Sunday, if I'm a Lions fan, which I am, as a Lions fan, you told me before the game we're going to hold the Giants to 17 points. I'm going to tell you we're going to win the game. And the Giants are strange. They're, very, they're similar to the Lions, actually, in that regard. The defense is a little bit better. Um, not much, but a little bit. But they don't run the ball particularly well, the Giants. And they have a really good quarterback, like the Lions do, and Eli. And but they and they've got a stud receiver in Odell Beckham. The Lions don't have a stud. They have a couple of good ones in Marvin Jones and Golden Tate. But um, you know, and Beckham has good numbers. But the Giants are not a, an explosive, uh, consistent offense. I mean, they do get some splash plays out of Beckham, but other than that, they they, they don't score a lot of points. I mean, look, Giants have scored 272 points this year. By contrast, the Cowboys have scored 366, almost 100 points more. The Redskins have scored 345 points. The Eagles have scored more points than the Giants. They've scored 316. Even the Lions, whose offense isn't all that great, have scored more points than the Giants at 301. So, I mean, the Giants' offense is not great. So, they're a bit of a flawed team. But again, get, them, get in the playoffs playing good defense with a good quarterback. They're going to be dangerous. Same with the Cowboys. Cowboys' defense isn't great. They've been good at keeping teams out of the end zone. 
but they don't generate a lot of turnovers. Other than David Irving, they don't have much of a pass rush to speak of. But they've got a great running game, and the quarterback has made enough plays and, and limited the mistakes. The Falcons score a ton of points. They've scored 40 points four times this year or more. So do the Saints, by the way. But the Falcons' defense isn't all that good. But it does generate turnovers and you can get some pass rush against bad teams. I haven't seen it against a good team. But the Falcons' offense can be very dangerous, particularly when they're full, at full strength. When Julio Jones is in there and they got both those backs, Tevin Coleman and, Deon, uh, uh, and Freeman, That's, uh, and then you've got Sanu and... Uh, Who's the other, uh, who's a little speedy fast receiver? I think it's Taylor Gabriel. I keep getting him confused and the other guy and ben, Travis Benjamin confused. I think he, Taylor Gabriel. Yeah, Taylor Gabriel. Both these guys used to be on the Browns, by the way. They're like little short, speedy guys. Um, both of whom uh, are effective deep threats who, you know, it's, it's, it's enraging. If you're, I'm sure if you're a Browns fan that they're not on your team anymore. Um, and then Seattle, same thing. Seattle's defense can be really good, although... No Earl Thomas is a major blow for them. The rest of that secondary, you know, listen, Sherman's still really good. Cam Chancellor's still really good. The rest of that secondary isn't great. You know, the, the drop-off, I mean, Earl Thomas is probably the best free safety in the NFL. Now he's out. And the drop-off is significant between him and his backup. The other, other corner um, for Seattle, I think it's Shed, is okay. He's not great. Um, the nickel back, I mean, the, the rest of the secondary isn't that great, and their pass rush hasn't been that good this year, Seattle. And even their last game when they beat the Rams, that, that, that was, the Rams beat themselves. It was, a, it was a horrible game. I mean, Seattle didn't look all that impressive. I know Russell Wilson's good. But their offense has been inconsistent this year, too. So, I mean, there's no dominant teams in the NFC. The AFC have to, of course, unfortunately say the Steelers, I'm sorry, the Patriots are the best team, and probably by a lot. Uh, you know, the Raiders have been a nice story at 11-3. and three. Kansas City's 10-4, and four, but you never know what you're going to get out of Kansas City. They've won a lot of close games. They rely heavily on turnovers. Their offense is very, very streaky and shaky. So... My point is that the Lions' formula for success this year, which is keep the game close and win it late with either a great kicker or, you know, a really good quarterback, that's, that is, I think, a sustainable formula. It's a sustainable formula for success because, you know, to get to a certain level. Because the rest of the NFL is also flawed. Now... What I thought this Lions team was going to be was a team that scored a lot of points and was going to rely heavily on the offense. And I thought because of Stafford and the weapons that they had with Tate and Marvin Jones and Anquan Bolden and hopefully at the beginning of the year Amir Abdullah and Theo Riddick and supposedly Eric Ebron, that that would be enough. And it kind of has, although they haven't had Amir Abdullah since the first game of the year. Theo Riddick has been out these last two games, which has been a big, big, uh, left a big hole um, from an offensive standpoint. I mean, he's been a huge uh, security blanket 
for uh, Matthew coming out of the backfield. And by the way, is also their best running back. Even though he's not great at that, he's much much better as a pass catcher, but he's still really good. So, you know, you thought there was going to be enough, and, and really what, what the Lions coaches have done is they turned Matthew Stafford into a game manager. I mean, that's what they've done. And the numbers bear it out. I mean, I think, what, he's got 22 touchdowns, 7 interceptions. I mean, 22 touchdowns with two games to go is not great. I mean, and again, I don't blame him necessarily. And he certainly uh, showed up when it matters in the fourth quarter of games. And particularly with game-winning drives uh, and the like. But, you know, right now, at the end of the season, you know, let's, let's say, for argument's sake, he throws four touchdowns combined in these next uh, two games here. That gets him to 26 touchdowns. Let's say, well, I'm going to say he'll probably throw at least one more interception. You know, 26 and 8. I mean, those the, the eight interceptions you love, that's a very low number. 26 touchdowns, eh. In today's NFL, it's a pass-happy league, and the Lions don't exactly have much of a running game to speak of. It's not great. You know, he probably gets about 4,000 yards. Okay. I mean, look, I'm not saying, I'm not knocking it. It's not a bad year. But what I, well, my point is what I thought the Lions were going to be, which is a, a high-octane, pass-heavy offense, is not, uh, is not what's happened this year. Getting to that Giants game, by the way, and that's the other thing. Look, the Lions live, have been living on, on the margins all year, right? Everything is a razor-thin margin for them. So when, you know, what they, they, when Zach Zemmer fumbles on the three-yard line on first down after a 66-yard bomb to Golden Tate, and the Lions, instead of having second and two from the three, fumble the ball, and it goes into the, the end zone, of course, the Giants recover, that's the first loss fumbled by uh, Lions running back all season. You know, they've been great taking care of the ball. You know, when the Giants fumbled into the end zone and Raphael Bush had an easy opportunity to fall on the ball and recover it and the Lions would have had a touchback and started with the ball to 20, he somehow inexplicably let the ball squirt through him and the Giants, of course, recovered. Now, there's a penalty on the Giants, so it knocked it back. The Giants still kicked a field goal on that possession. And then you had the other play where Golden Tate had Eli Apple beat badly for a touchdown. Golden Tate kind of doesn't really go up and high point the ball. Apple just sticks his hand out there, gets a fingertip on it, knocks it away. The Lions come away with a field goal. And then there was also a play where uh, on the second field goal, the Lions kicked. Stafford got sacked on third down. Clearly got hit in the helmet and no call. You know, you're not allowed to hit a quarterback in the head. Wasn't intentional. Doesn't matter. Intent isn't part of the rule. It's if a defensive player's hand hits a quarterback in the head, even if they graze it. I mean, if that's Aaron Rodgers, forget about it. The guy would probably get kicked out of the league. Same thing if it's Tom Brady. Drew Brees does that all the time. They did it again, by the way, in the Cardinals game. They called a ridiculous uh, personal foul penalty on a, on a helmet-to-helmet hit that wasn't a helmet-to-helmet hit. And instead of getting off the field and punting uh, as a first down in a tie game, and then, of course, uh, New Orleans scored a couple plays later. I mean, Arizona's just had a rough year all the way around. But anyway, my point is, you know, a couple of plays here or there in that Giants game, and it's a different game. And all the things have been going right for the Lions didn't go well in that game. 
Listen, there's no shame in losing to the Giants in the Meadowlands. None. And yes, I know it's not the Meadowlands. It's the Meadowlands. <laughs> so now they play the Cowboys. And listen, this Cowboys game does not guarantee them anything if they win. The only way that the Lions are guaranteed anything is if Green Bay loses to Minnesota, highly unlikely. And I'm pretty sure if Tampa Bay were to lose to the Saints in New Orleans, which could happen, because the Redskins lost last night, I'm pretty sure if the Lions were to somehow beat Dallas on Monday night, I just did a Francesa there, by the way, after taking a big swig of Diet Coke. Um, the Lions, I think, then are assured, at worst case, of, of a wild card. Because let's just, we'll operate under the assumption that the, the, the Cowboys are going to win the division, the Giants are going to be the first wild card. We'll say the lot, let's just say, for argument's sake, the Lions beat Dallas this week. Big if, obviously. That gets them 10 wins. If Green Bay wins out, that gets them 10 wins. That means they will have beaten the Lions in the last game of the year, which means they win the division because they, own the, they would own the tiebreaker because they will have swept the Lions. The Vikings already have seven losses. We'll say the Falcons are going to win the South. They have not, they're nine and five. Buccaneers are eight and seven. If they lose to the Saints, that gives them seven losses. They're eight and seven. Nothing, nobody's coming out of the uh, South, uh, sorry, the West, Cardinals are already at eight losses. Um, oh, I guess, no. And the Redskins, the best they can do is nine, six, and one. So, yeah, the Lions would be the wild card team. The Lions win on Monday night, and if... Tampa Bay loses to New Orleans. The Lions are in the playoffs as the wild card. Now, if the Lions lose to the Cowboys, and regardless of what el whatever else happens, now obviously, of course, if the Lions went, beat the Cowboys and Green Bay were somehow to lose to Minnesota, the Lions clinch the division. And then now you're thinking about trying to get the three seed instead of the four seed. Um, and then, although that may not even really matter, and then if the Lions lose to the Cowboys but then somehow beat Green Bay at home in the last game of the year, which I think unfortunately now is going to get flexed to Sunday night. Although I thought they didn't do a Sunday night game the last week of the season. Let me see. Let's go to week 16. No. Can I go to week 17, please? I gotta go to schedule. Okay. Um, because, uh, you know, that was originally, it's New Year's Day. It was gonna be a one o'clock game. I was really, you know, as you guys know, I hate national TV games to begin with anyway. And I, I honestly don't know if I can watch that game. I mean, I really don't. No, there's, there, there's, no, there's no Sunday night game. That game. Yeah, there is no game. So I, I, I thought I'd so, I saw an article somewhere that said 95% chance the Lions game gets flexed. Worst case scenario, it would get flexed to the 425 game. But, I mean, why would you even... What, what use is that? 
Yeah, I, I don't. I, I, that, that, I think that game stays at one o'clock. Worst case scenario gets to uh, flex to four twenty-five, but I don't even see how that helps the ratings in any way. I think you just keep that game at one o'clock. So anyway, the Lions. Listen, they still control their own destiny. They beat Green Bay last game of the year. And they win the division. So, it's all right there in front of them. All right, we'll take a quick break, and we'll be back right after this. It was Christmas Eve, and the drunk tank, and all that said to me, won't see another one. here on a Christmas edition of Jamal About Sports. That, of course, was the Hogs featuring Kirsten McCall's classic fairy tale of New York, which, by the way, uh, a very Murray Christmas, the Bill Murray Christmas special from last year. They, uh, they sang that song and uh, they uh, did an excellent job with it. So we just got done uh, laying out the various playoff scenarios for the Lions. For the Giants, it's pretty simple. Um, if they beat the Eagles on Thursday, uh, they're in for sure. If they were to win out and Dallas were to lose out, the Giants would actually be the NFC East champs. Um, I think, wait, hold on. Wait, no, wait. Let's see. The Giants are at yes, because the Giants are ten and four, and if they wouldn't win out, they'd be twelve and four. And if Dallas is at twelve and two, if they lost out, they'd be twelve and four, and they would lose the tiebreaker to the Giants because they lost the Giants twice. So there's still a path for the Giants to actually be the number one seed. Now, uh, selfishly, as a Lions fan, that cow- that Giants game on Thursday night actually means something because if the Giants were to lose that game, that ensures the Cowboys the number one seed for the playoffs throughout. Because the best Seattle can do is get to 11 and wins, is get to 11 wins, and uh, the best the Falcons can do is get to 11. No one else can get to 12 if the Giants lose on Thursday night. So the Cowboys game against the Lions then really does become meaningless for the Cowboys. And with two games to go, are you playing... Your guys the whole game and risk injury with nothing really to gain other than keeping guys sharp. Ah, uh, it's a tough call. I mean, we've seen the, we've seen the Colts do it before, where they took their foot off the gas and uh, came back to bite them. Um, you know, 
I, I don't know. Uh, listen, I, it, it, the, the, the macho part, as the Lions fan wants to say, listen, just take care of business. Figure out a way to beat Green Bay at home and you don't have to worry about any of this stuff. The realist, the realist in me as a Lions fan says, i got to look at every possible scenario to get the Lions into the playoffs. Because I know AG and I said last show, hey, look, if you lose your last three games and you get you know 9-7, and seven, you don't deserve to be in the playoffs. Eh, it's not necessarily true. I mean, look, there was that year when the Jets, I think it was in 2012 or maybe it was 2011, they lost, they lost at home to a bad Falcons team, thought they were eliminated from the playoffs, didn't realize there was still a, 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 a glimmer of hope for them. Everything went right. They ended up making the playoffs, and I think they ended up uh, beating um, the Patriots and getting to the AFC Championship game that year. I think. We'll look it up. It was one of those years. So, listen, just get in. I mean, hell, the, the Giants won a Super Bowl at 9-7 and seven one year. Just get in. And with Matthew Stafford, a quarterback... Again, keep this game close late. I mean, look at Matt Prater. I mean, the guy, I, I don't want to jinx him, but he's been great. I mean, the kicker for the line has been great. He hasn't missed a kick from 50 yards plus this year. I mean, he made a 58-yarder sending a game into overtime against the Vikings. That's not nothing. He's made a ton of clutch kicks for the Lions this year. Now, of course, I'm sure he'll probably miss one now that I said that against either the Cowboys or Green Bay, but... My point is, you know, a, a, a really good kicking game, which teams, you know, a lot of people don't talk about. All they look is offensive, defense, turnovers. It's a big deal. Again, I, me- I, re- I mentioned it before. I mean, Arizona, they lost. They tied the game against Seattle because the kicker couldn't make a kick. Missed a couple of kicks in that game. Uh, this past week against um, the Saints, their special teams killed them again. Missed, missed a, I think, an extra point or a field goal. Um, were called for being offsides on a field goal in a tie game. Um, gave the Saints a first down, and the Saints, of course, scored a touchdown two plays later. Um, I mean, they, they oh, they the first game of the year they lost the Patriots. The guy couldn't make a field goal. They lost by two. Um, I mean, that's three games right there where the kicking game has absolutely killed them. Oh, the Dolphins game they lost by a field goal. Kicking game killed them there. That's three. That's three losses and a tie. I mean, you know, they're five, eight, and one. They could easily be the reverse. They could be eight and six. They could be nine and five. Again, the margin for error in most of these games is so slim. If you have a really good kicking game, it's a major advantage. Speaking of which, we go to the line, uh, Cowboys Tampa Bay game. You know, I know the game was close. It was really more of a function. Cowboys kept shooting themselves in the foot. I mean, first drive of the game, they get a first down on a second and two. Some guy I never heard of, wide receiver. I wish AG were here. I'm sure he would know who the guy is. Gets called for holding. Of course, NBC can't be bothered to show the replay. Cowboys ended up punting. Um, got a touchdown. Called back on a hold by Tyron Smith. That I thought was a bit of a ticky-tack call. Uh, you had the wit and fumble. So, I mean, the, the Cowboys moved the ball fine. They just kept kicking themselves in the foot. And then, you know, the, the Tampa Bay scores that touchdown coming out the half on the bomb to, to Adam Humphreys. You know, the, the Chris Collinsworth would not shut up about and gushing about what a throw by James Wilson. Hey, Chris, what a throw. It hit Brandon Carr right in the hands. 
The ball was underthrown, should have been an interception, hit Brandon Carr right in the hands and bounces into the hands of Tampa Bay. Shut up! But Chris Collinsworth is unbearable. God, he stinks. I mean, I don't know about... I mean, his aw shucks routine is so disingenuous. Oh, I mean, I, I mean, you know, now, I mean, the Tampa Bay is just one of these teams now, Al, that, I mean, they just, they just kind of, they, they don't care. I mean, they're just going to come out and play. No, shut up. And then, I, you know, listen, hey, I, I, I get it, NBC, and I guess the rest of the NFL, you're going to try to shove Jameis Winston down our throats now? Because he's, because he's played well. So now all of his transgressions at Florida State are to be completely forgotten. And then now I had to get this whole little uh, uh, puff piece in-game about how when he was uh, 12 years old or 10 years old, he kept a notebook about all of the things he wanted to do as a quarterback. You know, leadership. But, uh, you know, listen, that might be a nice story if it's somebody who um, I might have some respect for. But just because he probably got away with something in college um, and now has played well in the NFL, I'm not going to all of a sudden just develop a case of amnesia and forget. So, you know, I, in, in my opinion, they'd be better served to just, let's just pretend like, if you want to pretend like it never happened, fine. Don't start to try to cram stories down my throat that tell me what a great swell guy Jameis Winston is. Anyway. Uh, so the Cowboys, you know, listen, that game was a lot closer than it needed to be. Not saying Tampa Bay's terrible. They're not. That Cameron Brait from Harvard, good tight end. Um, you know, Mike Evans is a good wide receiver. He's a handful. His size caused a lot of problems. You got some good players on defense. Uh, two linebackers, Quan Alexander and Levante David, are both good. Uh, Gerald McCoy, the D tackle, is pretty good. Uh, looks like they, they hit on Noah Spence. Defensive end out of Eastern Kentucky by way of Ohio State. He got kicked off the team for repeated uh, drug test uh, violations or failures whilst he was at Ohio State. Um, pass rusher. Looks like a good player. But really, they, 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 that game came down to when Tampa Bay had the ball last two possessions, this guy David Irving, who I've never heard of. Again, I know my man AG would be all over this guy. Um, and the next time we do a show, if we do a post- Cowboys uh, Lions show, which we'll do. We'll do. We may kill each other, but we'll do it. Um, he'll give us, he'll fill us in on David Irving, but I mean, that guy basically wrecked the game for Tampa Bay. And a big part of it was because old Lion, actually, Gazer Sherrillis, is a backup tackle for Tampa Bay. I mean, he just couldn't, couldn't deal with him. Just could not deal with the guy. So, good one for the Cowboys. Tough loss for Tampa Bay. Tampa Bay, as I said, they are at New Orleans this week. Again, division game on the road. You know the Saints are going to want to wreck their season, so that will not be an easy game for Tampa Bay, or I'd be shocked if it was. I mean, you have to think it's not going to be an easy game. And then I think they finished the year out playing Carolina, who we just saw last year, not last year, last night. Um, and... Uh, 
Nobody wants to play them either. And again, division game. You know, these division games late, all bets are off. You can kind of throw the records out. So good win for the Cowboys. They've set themselves up nicely. Again, Giants lose it on Thursday. Cowboys clinch home field throughout the playoffs. Clinch the division, clinch home field. So, um, and then you have, so actually it's a weird, it's a bit of a weird week with the holidays. You've got Thursday game, which by the way, um, you've got a Thursday game again, New York at Philly. Then Saturday, you've got games, right? So Washington just played Monday night. has got to play on Saturday at 1 o'clock. That, that's ridiculous. I mean, it's just ridiculous. They're at Chicago. That's not going to be an easy game. So the games to watch for, if you're looking at the NFC playoff picture, Minnesota at Green Bay, obviously huge. Tampa Bay at New Orleans, huge. And Washington and Chicago has some some interest, not a ton. And then, of course, oh, and Atlanta at Carolina. That game actually matters, too, for positioning purposes, whether or not Atlanta can get the three seed or the four seed um, and or win the division. Again, because I think if Tampa wins out, they might own the tiebreaker over Atlanta. I'm not sure. And then, of course, you've got the, and then on Sunday, you've got for AFC implications, huge game, Baltimore at Pittsburgh, and then Denver at Kansas City as well on Christmas night. Um, 4.30 is Baltimore-Pittsburgh. I will be watching some of that, although I'll be sitting down at Christmas dinner probably at about 5 o'clock, which is good. I'll probably I'll, 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 I'll pause the game or DVR the game and then go downstairs to the basement and watch that. And then you've got Denver at Kansas City, 8.30. And then, of course, we've got the Lions and Cowboys on Monday night. So, huge games there. And then I think Tampa Bay... I want to say they finish up with, and let's take a look. Tampa Bay finishes up with, uh, yeah, home against Carolina. So Carolina's going to have an awful lot to say about the NFC playoff picture in general and certainly the NFC South playoff picture. And then we talked a little bit earlier in the show about that Green Bay-Chicago game. Um, obviously, I wasn't watching the whole thing because it was uh, during the Lions game, but the Lions game ended early. So I flipped over to that game. It looked again like it was going to be a blowout. Kudos to Chicago for, for grinding and getting back in that game, tying it late. Um, had a great chance to take a lead late. Had first and goal at the two with about, there were less than two minutes to go. Green Bay did have all three timeouts left. Um, Chicago runs a ball on first down, off-tackle play for no gain. Of course, um, Chicago gets called for holding on a play that went nowhere. So not only now does um, that stop the clock, but now it's first and goal from the 12. And it was a lame call. I understand I'm anti-Green Bay. It it was a weak call. I mean, again, the, the play went nowhere, and it was to the play side where the supposed hold happened. It was on Julius Peppers. The guy had his arm on his shoulder pad, his hand on his shoulder pad for about a second and took it off. Had no impact on the play. Again, the play didn't go anywhere. Terrible call. So that pretty much derailed um, the Bears as far as getting a touchdown. 
Uh, had to settle for a field. I mean, they did get down to the two-yard line, but uh, couldn't punch it in. Green Bay, of course, has a guy running onto the field late through the back of the end zone, which, by the way, I didn't know you were allowed to do. Looked awfully weird. And um, Barkley tried to throw uh, a quick out to Cameron Meredith. He was well covered on the play. I think it was Mike Hyde for Green Bay, knocked the ball down. And then Chicago gets the ball back after the field goal to tie it. Sorry, not Chicago, Green Bay. And on second down, Rodgers gets sacked. No, first down, Rodgers gets sacked. Second down, they throw uh, a screen pass. No, he doesn't get sacked. So first down incomplete. Second down, they throw a screen pass to the running back. Um, this kid, uh, Kwiatkowski, uh, linebacker, wears number 44 for the Bears, makes a great play. Stops the Packers for minus one. Clock running, except somebody in the Packers gets hurt. Now, the Packers are out of timeouts because they use their timeouts, and rightfully so, uh, when they were on defense to make sure they had time left when they got the ball back after Chicago kicked the field goal to tie. So they're out of timeouts. It's 54 seconds left, and the clock should be running, except somebody in the Packers is hurt, so they have to stop the clock. Now, there's supposed to be a 10-second runoff there. Uh, And the announcer said that, too, during the game. But there was no explanation given as to why the clock stopped. There, well, we know why the clock stopped. It stops for an injury. But again, it, the rule is if the other team has a, a timeout, they get charged a timeout under two minutes. If they don't have timeouts, there's got to be a 10-second runoff there. Unless the opposing team apparently has the option to um, decline the 10-second runoff. Which, the Bears had two timeouts. It was going to bring up third and 11. Green Bay was at, like, their own 20, 24, I think. Something like that. So I guess John Fox was thinking we get a stop here, get the ball back with two timeouts, and go down and kick a field goal to win it. Uh, I'm sorry. You cannot be thinking that way. That's insane. You don't give Aaron Rodgers additional chances and more time on the clock you got to be playing for overtime there. So they would have done a 10-second runoff, which, you know, listen, I guess it didn't matter because they still completed the bomb, but, you know, they kicked the field goal with three seconds left. Now, listen, I understand uh, they probably would have spiked the ball earlier, but, you know, it took an awful long time for the Packers to get all the way down the field to line up to spike the ball there. That 10 seconds may have made a difference. It may have. Maybe not. I don't know. But it certainly allowed everybody to be a lot calmer when Rodgers got to the line of scrimmage to spike the ball. I mean, if they're in more of a scramble and panic mode, somebody on the Packers jumps off sides, false start, that is a 10-second runoff game over. Or, you know, regulation time anyway, game over. So, But uh, they never really gave us an explanation on the broadcast. And And I haven't seen it written about anywhere, of course, so, because or also, of course, all anyone can talk about is Aaron Rodgers hits Jordy Nelson for a sixty-yard pass, which you know, listen, of course, rightfully so, that that's going to get a lot of airtime. But I mean, if you're the Bears, how do you let Jordy Nelson get behind you like that? What are you doing? It's insane. And then last night's game, I uh, yeah, listen, I am no Cam Newton fan. But, I mean, this guy, I have to admit, he gets such a raw deal from the refs. I mean, perfect example. Last night, he's rolling out. 
He slides. He gets kneed in the back of the head. He gets up. Now, of course, he can't help himself, so he has to flip the ball at the defender. And, you know, which, listen, I understand he's frustrated. He hasn't been getting calls all year. It's been a bad year for them overall. You just can't do that. But, I mean, the NFL is also idiotic. I mean, in, in, in a lot of ways in this regard. So, so Newton gets called for taunting because he flipped the ball kind of at the defender. The ref somehow missed the, the blatant hit to the head. I mean, again, if that's one of the golden boys, if that's Brady or Rodgers or Breeze, I mean, they probably kicked the guy out of the game. You know, one-game suspension? I don't know. But no call. So, at worst, it should have been offsetting penalties. And Carolina kicks a field goal there. Uh, but it wasn't. And, of course, Washington scored right after that. It looked like that was going to be a huge momentum swing and completely change the complexion of the game. It ended up not because um, the Redskins, as I said, really just laid an egg last night. Kirk Cousins, uh, first possession, I think, of the third quarter. Uh, gets sacked. The ball squirts out of his hands. Uh, right to uh, Carolina defensive end. Um, they score two plays. Uh, they get the ball first and goal at the Redskins one. They score one or two plays later. Um, and then Carolina tried to keep the Redskins around in that game. Graham Gano missed a 33-yard field goal. Would have made it 26-12 with about three or so, four, no, maybe four, 450 left. Missed the field goal badly. Redskins came down. Um, had a chance to get a touchdown. Jordan Reed uh, gets a personal foul uh, on a second and goal play, but for throwing a punch um, at a Carolina player, gets ejected from the game, makes it first and goal from the 17, which is almost impossible to score a touchdown from there. Have to settle for the field goal, and Carolina get the ball back at a couple timeouts, and that was that. But, um, yeah, just, uh, you know, just again, if you're a Redskins fan, can't be very happy about that performance last night at all. All right, finally, we'll get you out of here on this. There was, uh, there's been a couple of um, high-profile uh, college players, Leonard Fournette, uh, fine running back from LSU, who announced uh, last week that he would not be participating in the bowl game uh, against Louisville uh, so that he can prepare himself for the NFL draft. And, uh, of course, predictably... There were a lot of people who were not happy about this. Um, but then there are also a lot of people that said, hey, look, um, you know, the kid's been dealing with injuries all year. And this, this bowl game is fairly meaningless in the sense that, you know, it's not for a national title. It's not part of the four game playoff. Um, and he's going to go play. He's going to be a, a first round draft pick, most likely. Or at least that's that seems to be the general consensus now. Um, that he'll be a first-round draft pick uh, and go make a lot of money in the NFL. And it doesn't really do him a whole heck of a lot of good to, to play in the bowl game you know, and potentially re-injure himself um, the injuries that he's been dealing with, which have been uh, ankle injuries, or, you know, God forbid, something worse, like Jalen Smith from Notre Dame, who blew out his knee in a bowl game and went from being a top-five pick to a second-round pick. And that's only because the Cowboys... Uh, took a huge risk in, in drafting him. I mean, some teams didn't even have him on the draft board. And then it was just announced this week that Christian McCaffrey, uh, former Giant wide receiver Ed McCaffrey's son, uh, who's, you know, the all-purpose, all-everything back at Stanford, is also not going to play in their bowl game. 
And he's also dealt with some nagging injuries this year. And he's basically cited the same thing. And again, listen, I have zero problem with these kids doing this. Now, selfishly as a fan, it's a bummer because I like to watch these high-profile players in these lesser bowl games. To me, it's the reason to watch, right? And as a fan of the NFL, as Aaron says, it's scouting season, right? So I want to see. Hey, I mean, I'm pretty sure I know how good Leonard Fournette is, and I'm pretty sure I know how good Christian McCaffrey is, but I want to see. I mean, I want to watch him play against a good team. And I want to, you know, I, I, I don't really get to see a lot of their games, Stanford in particular, because they're Pac-12. Um, and LSU, every time, you know, they play a good team, Fournette gets stuffed because, you know, like when they play against Alabama, he's got no chance because Alabama's not going to let him beat them, and, you know, LSU can't throw the ball. So... You know, it would have been interesting and fun to see these guys play. You want to see the best players play. I get it. As a fan, selfishly, I'm disappointed. But I have no issues with these kids doing it. I mean, why, why, why are all these coaches allowed to jump around and leave their teams in the lurch? You know, Brett Bielema left uh, Wisconsin. Did, couldn't be bothered to coach in a Rose Bowl and went when he went to Arizona. Um, you know, a lot of these coaches do this all the time. They jump around from team to team. With no regard for for their kids, who, who who they told to come, you know, come trust me, follow me, I'll take care of you. And they leave after the season, before the bowl game, you know, for greener pastures, be it the NFL or another college job. So, listen, it's well, it's well within these kids' rights to do this, particularly these guys, because they've already been dinged up this year. But even if it was a player who hadn't had any injuries, and I, I would suspect, by the way, this will now come, start to be a trend, and I bet you in about two or three years, they I don't know what college will do, what the NCAA will do, but they're probably going to have to try to do something because, listen, there are probably too many bowl games to begin with. I mean, some of these bowl games with these... Six and six teams playing each other. You know, listen, my alma mater included. I mean, Maryland plays BC the day after Christmas in Detroit in the uh, the, the uh, Motor City Bowl. I mean, look, I'm happy for the Maryland kids. It's good for their coach. It's the first year there. They can say they made a bowl game. I mean, but, I mean, really. I mean, they're six and six. And five of the win, uh, and, and really only five of those wins are, are, are legit. They're six, one of their wins was against Howard. Who's a one double A school? Who was I think one in eleven last year in one double A? So they're not even. It's not even like you're playing North Dakota State, who's really good one double A school, or Youngstown State, or Eastern Washington, one of these other teams that are like always in the one double A playoffs every year. Yeah, they played the dregs of one double A in Howard. So I mean, Maryland is not a good team, and BC's not all that strong either. So I mean, these six and six, these bowl games where the teams are six and six are probably dumb. There's, it's probably overkill, but whatever. My point is that there is, you know, there's, there are too many bowl games to begin with. And now, I I mean, I I would, I could certainly see this starting to be a trend where, where, where guys who think they're going to be first round picks say, and and if it's not, you know, a super prestigious bowl game, like the, the, like the, the Rose Bowl, obviously, look, if it's a playoff game, it's one of the top four teams You'd think if the guy can go and he's healthy, he's going to go. You'd think for the opportunity to win a national championship. But if it's one of these, you know, December 28th bowl games, (laughs) 
You know, it's not one of the other six, right? Like the Cotton Bowl or the Sugar Bowl or the Rose Bowl. Um, you know, I, I would see, I could see a lot of these guys saying, nah, it's good, I'm, I'm good, that's a wrap. And again, can you blame them? I mean, if you're going to be a first-round pick or even a high second-round pick, or even a third-round pick for that matter, or if you're you know, currently projected to be a third-round pick, but if you have a great postseason, and when I say postseason, I don't mean the bowl game. I mean all the other stuff, the workouts, because guess what? The NFL has turned that into a cottage industry now where the combine gets televised for four days on the NFL network, and we have cameras going to teams to college's pro days now. And I've got Mike Mayock there telling me, you know, how somebody looked in the, the short shuffle cone drill. I mean, you know, guys move up from doing stuff that doesn't have anything to do with playing a game. So I'm not going to begrudge these kids that. If they think that, you know, listen, I don't want to risk it. I don't want to risk getting hurt. Now, listen, Jalen Smith, kid from Notre Dame, said, look, I, I, if I had to do all over again, I would have done it the same way. Well, that's nice. Good for him. You know, he also <laughs> got drafted in the second round. So, and the high second round. You know, he got some good money. And it basically is a redshirt year for him this year with the Cowboys. But, um, I don't know. I think it'll just be very interesting to see if this does become a trend, and then if it does... If the NCAA tries to figure out a way to force these kids to play in these bowl games, because frankly, again, if the top players in these games and these these again these lesser bowl games um, start bowing out, um, if they're juniors who are going to go to the pros or seniors, then there's really not a. I mean, it, it's a stretch to watch these games anyway, frankly. And I'm a football junkie. Uh, then there's really not much of a reason to watch these games. So anyway, that's a wrap for this week. We'll be back next week with the post-mortem of the Lions-Cowboys. Until then, Merry Christmas, Happy New Year, Happy Hanukkah. Enjoy the sports from now till next week, and we'll catch you on the flip side.